Welcome. This is Pauline, also known as Sister Fabu. This is season three, episode six of my podcast, Through My Looking Glass. And as you know, it's dedicated to victims and survivors. I am a reality poet. I was born in Jamaica. I'm African-American. I grew up in New York, and I now live in Massachusetts. I'm safe, and I'm in a good place. I've taken control of my life, and I will not allow my past abusers to control me. Being a survivor is something that will always be part of me, but right now I'm safe. If you ask me how I'm doing, it's a rainy day and the rain does calm me. (laughs) So I will say, I am calm as the summer rain. That's me in this moment. I want to ask you, how are you? And I really do care. How are you doing? I hope you are safe. I hope you're in a good place. Today, I'm going to talk about victims and survivors of domestic violence. That's my past. And I pray for everyone that is in that situation that something will happen for them to get out of it safely. I guess I mean in a way, physically safety. When you get out of that, mentally there's something going on for the rest of your life, but you know. But before we start, before I start, I want us to remember that over 20 million people in America suffer from at least one addiction. It's only 10% receive treatment. And every minute there are about 20 people or over 10 million men and women every year are being physically abused. That means most of these people are now trapped in an abusive relationship with another person or an addiction they are battling. Many of these are actually children and everyone needs support and treatment. Okay, so Now let's talk about victims and survivors of domestic violence. Who are those people? So when we talk about victims and survivors, we refer to individual people like you and me, but who are or have been directly targeted who have 
been in some kind of domestic violence, which includes sexual assault, stalking, physical. And I looked up on the CDC website. I was reading some stuff. Um, and they talk about how often does intimate partner violence result in death. And it says about 35% of females, IPV survivors, and more than 11% of male IPV survivors experience some form of physical injury related to intimate partner violence. And intimate partner violence can also result in death. The data from the U.S. crime report suggests about one in five homicide victims are killed by another partner. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot of people. When you think about you get into a relationship with someone because you want to spend your life with them, you want to share something with them, you want to share your life and be happy with them. And it turned out that they might end up, they hurt you so bad to the point where they want to take your life and sometimes your own life. It's kind of sad. It's really kind of sad. You know, I know in my situation, I've heard before, if I can't have you, nobody can. So what's the next step? So intimate partner violence is is some kind of like abuse or aggression that occurred in a relationship and I would say romantic relationship or intimate relationship. And I think that I'm thinking that it can also happen in a relationship that another person is imagining that's happening. You know, it's supposed to be intimate partner relationship but sometimes you have people who think in their head that they're actually a partner of someone is really their girl or really their their man and they're not and then it caused that person to eat a be physical with that person when they don't get what they want or they stalk the person, you know? And it says that it it can happen like, you know, once, not not often, or it can continue, it can happen a lot of times over and over again. Several episodes or, you know, 
you may get hurt one one time for the year, twice a month or whatever, and something can happen again and again and again, continuously, like routinely. So they talk about physical violence, sexual violence we talk about, and I said stalking. And stalking yeah you know your partner don't trust you so he follows you where you go to your job I've been there I've been there follows me to work calls me at work it happens so it when stuff like that happened it prevents you from being you know Productive at work, it does. And it's funny, but you think that your coworkers don't know, but they don't. They know what's going on. Especially when you show up with a black eye, they know. So talk about physical violence. And again, when someone hurt you, kick you, hit you, or any other type of physical force. And it could be your partner, but then sexual violence can also occur. And some people is some people think that because it's their husband or their man, they can't sexual assault them. Yes, they can. Even if it's your husband. Or your wife, and you don't want to take part in it, it becomes force, it becomes rape. You have to give consent for anyone to touch your body, it doesn't matter who it is. Your body's your body. Psychological aggression. And that's tough because you hear, I've heard say, oh, he doesn't hurt me. He just say bad things to me. Psychological aggression can make you feel small, can belittle you. You know, using verbal or even nonverbal communication, you know, that can really hurt your mental state, your emotional state. So they can use that to have control over you. It's tough. And it can also cause you, when it gets to that point, for you to be sick, have headaches, serious health issues. Hmm. Okay, so how big are... Well, I already said it. It's, it's a big problem. It is. Intimate partner violence. 
is a lot more common than people think it is. It affects millions of people in the United States. And as I said, one of the big things is sexual, sexual violence. You know, that's tough. And I like to go on the CDC because I like to get data. And it says that about one in four women and nearly one in 10 men have experienced contact, sexual violence, physical violence, or a stalking by intimate partner. So again, we're not talking about just female. We're talking about men too. And I think it's important for us to realize that it's not only females are experiencing these things. Men are too. Women are predators just as bad. They're abusers too. Women are abusers. Women make men feel inferior, small. They hurt them just like men are hurting females. And it's important that we know it's not just females that is suffering. So, it said over 43 million women and 38 million men have experienced psychological aggression by intimate partner in their lifetime. You know? Now, when we think about we have our children and we raise them to be beautiful boys and girls, and then when they grow up, what happened? What caused them to change? What experience do they have that caused them to change, to be aggressors? We have to remember that intimate partner violence starts early and it can continue through the lifespan. And if we don't get support early, by the time you get older, you won't even some people you don't even realize that you're really being abused. You think it's just part of life. You're not part of life. A lot of it occur in early teens, in teen dating. And the CDC says about 11 million women and 5 million men who report experience contact, sexual violence, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner in their lifetime. They said their first experience happened before they were 18. Think about it. Think about it. That's pretty heavy. Pretty sad. One in five women. One in seven men. <laughs> 
report having experienced several severe physical violence from an intimate partner in their lifetime. So you leave from teens and you grow up and this is what the experience brings you. One in five women and one in 12 men experience contact sexual violence by an intimate partner. What is going on? Where's the love? Where is the love and the care and the compassion? So when we talk about consequences, We deal with our mental health. We deal with our physical health. We deal with the cost of this to, to society. We talk, we deal with the influence that the children were watching these things. How is this affecting them? It's, it's really, really one thing that I wish I could just be gone. Because it caused so much health issues for us. So much. When you thinking about, when you think about, okay, for example, if I, if I think about myself, let's see. Yeah, I'm just one person. Um, think about broken bones. I've had it. Lost time from work. I've had it. Headaches. I've had it. Mental health. Muscles. Muscle hate. <laughs> Stress. Depression. I I can't say I've done I started one time to do the drinking but then now like nah I couldn't do that nah because I knew where it was gonna go but for some people they might start using stuff they might start big drinking they might start smoking and one of the things that very a lot of people do is the sexuality change, sexual behavior or risk behavior. Because I remember back when I was in college, I was doing a research on this. And I remember they said that a lot of people who got sexual abused got didn't stop caring about themselves when it comes to who they're intimate with. So that's one of the reasons why a lot of people become prostitutes. Because they don't think they're good enough anymore. 
I never thought about that kind of stuff. But I can see it. So when we when I think about intimate partner violence I think of it as I say once it starts if we don't do something to stop it it can become a cycle so I I have one of my poems I want to share with you it calls The cycle continues. Red, sweet, and juicy. The order of the day for him, not for her. The good guy, they called him. Little did they know. Mr. Executive. P.P. suits, he stand tall. He knows just what to say, yet behind closed door. He unmasked with her. A slap in the jaw, in the jaw, is her meal of the day. No water to wash it down. She did it again. Then he's gone. After one week away, she questioned, why? Where have you been, she asked. Why have you called, she asked. Why didn't you come home, she asked. As he came close to her, she watched him as he raised his hands to her face. The cycle starts all over again. We have to break the cycle. This cannot continue anymore. I broke mine. But we have to be ready to do it. And like I said, this is a tremendous cost to our family, our children, us, society we lose days from work we lose the respect of our children of our family of ourselves so we need to stop the cycle so again the CDC was talking about some ways to stop or even stop it before it starts. 
And they talk about pro, pro, promoting health, healthy, respectful, and nonviolent relationship in communities can help reduce the occurrence of intimate partner violence. It can also prevent a harmful and long-lasting effect of intimate partner violence on individual families and community. They develop a technique, they said, okay. Um, preventing intimate partner violence across the lifespan. Technique pa package. So they want us, they said we should, first thing we need to do is teach safe and healthy relationship skills. And that includes social emotional learning program for youth. This needs to start from the youth. You know, I wrote another poem. I don't have it right now in my head, but it talks about how abuse starts at young, you know, just by pushing hair and pushing here, kicking there, you know, it's like kids, they play all the time, play rough and they don't think of anything, but it escalated, escalated and, you know, yeah. So healthy relationship program for couples. And then next one is engage influential adults and peers. Boys, men and boys as allies in prevention. Bystanders, empowerment and education. Family-based programs. disrupt the development, developmental pathway towards partner violence. That's big. So we talk about, they talk about early childhood home visitation, preschool enrichment with family engagement, Pardoning skills and family relationship program and treatment for at-risk children, youth, and families. Those are important because if you get to these children early, because remember, a lot of these children are in homes that they're watching these violence. Really, really important. I know my children, my three boys, I have instilled in them not to put their hands on anyone, whether it be male or female. I had them in counseling early. I, had, I talked to them a lot. We did a lot. So 
they'll know that what was going on in their home was not what a home should be like. And I'm happy to say my boys have not, I should say my men now, they're men, have not done any of these things in their relationship that I know of. Well, I will say that one of them sometimes say things that's not positive and he learned, he have learned and have stopped. So I will say that. I'm not there all the time, so I don't know what they do all the time. But as far as I know, no one have come to me and say, and we talk about creative prospect, creating a positive environment, like improve schools, climate and safety, improve organization, organizational policy and workshop. So there's, there's a bunch of stuff that the CDC suggests in their committee, what they would they do to support families, strengthening home-based financial security, economic support for families, strengthening work family support. You know, it's hard when you're in a home and you have children and you cannot provide for your kids. And then you have a man there and he can't find a job and he's stressed out and he's looking at his family and, you know, his love sometimes turned to rage. Not a good thing, not right. But it does happen. So we have to try to support him before it get to that point. Support survivors to increase safety and less harm. Creating centered services for victims. Have home housing programs. Because when you're trapped into an abusive relationship with someone, and you have to depend on that person because you might not have the financial needs to be on your own. Nine out of 10 times, you're gonna stay in that relationship because you know you have a roof over your head and food to eat. So maybe if you find out that, oh yeah, there's housing out there for me, more of a chance than these people might leave. Parents are, you know, <laughs> treatment and support for survivors also include teen violence. And again, we have to remember a lot of teenagers are going through this. So I just touch on some of them, but there's there's a lot more that the CDC a lot of, a lot more that they talk about the CDC talk about. 
So for me, it's wanting to see others like myself escape from domestic violence. Whether you're a man or woman, makes no difference to me. We need to break the cycle. We need to know that we're worth something. We need to help each other find some support. Again, support is out there. You're worth it. No one has a right to put their hands on you. No one has a right to touch you without your permission. And if it's your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, and you say no, it's no. It's rape if it's you say no and they decide that, oh yeah, you're mine, yeah. Been there. And again, men and women, there's a restraining order out there. Let's find a safe place, space for us. Let's get it into our head that we're important and we're worth it. Let's take control of us. Let it be about us. And remember, we need to look for the signs and realize that if it does not feel right, it's not right. There's no way that somebody's going to hit you and it feels good. No, it doesn't feel good. And it's not right. We have to have healthy relationships. Relationship meaning partner in a positive way. So we need to take control of ourselves. We need to love ourselves. We have to find things and ways to make us happy. And if it means that we're going to be alone for a while, it's okay. Being alone is Better than being with someone who's going to knock you across your head once in a while when they feel like it. And then you got to hear that word, you're sorry. They're sorry. And then you're going to feel like it's your fault. No, it's not your fault. It's never your fault. You never tell that person to pick up their hand and hit you. You never make them do it. No, not your fault. So if you do not feel safe, call 911. Again, if you're in a crisis, get help. Do what you could do if you have to run out the door, scream. Hopefully somebody will hear you. Now the good thing now is, again, I know I've said it before. You you don't have to call and hide in the closet. You can text 911 now. That's a wonderful thing. 
And whatever it is that you do, please don't harm yourself. If you do feel like harming yourself, there's a domestic suicide prevention line. It's 1-800-273-TALK. They will help you talk you through being safe and not hurting yourself. There's a lot of people that love you. There's just that one person that want to hurt you, but there's a lot of people that love you and want you to be okay. National Domestic Violence, 1-800-799-7233. National Child Abuse Hotline, 1-800-422-4453. National Sexual Abuse, 1-800-656-4673. Veterans Crisis, 1-800-273-8255. Disaster Hotline, 1-800-985-5990. Elderly Abuse Hotline, 3634279. If you need, again, if you're a daddy, you need to go on a detox, please go to your local hospital. And remember, you're worth it. You are somebody. You're important. And if you have a family friend, family member, or a friend that's going through a tough time, support them. They need you more than you can imagine. And if you can't, help find somebody who can help them. As we reach the end of this episode, I'm asking, and I really do care and want to know, please, how are you doing? Email me. Leave me a message. Leave me a voicemail. If you ask how I'm doing, (laughs) I'm a pipe person with water. So much that I want to say. So much love I want to show to all that is hurting right now by someone who they thought loved them. It's not love. Love doesn't hurt. I am Pauline. I hope you enjoy my talk about victims and survivors of domestic violence. As I said, I'm Pauline, also known as Sister Fabu. Thank you for listening to another episode of Through My Looking Glass. Until next time.